Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. I'm your host, David Begin, and we're continuing our conversation with Prentice K. St. Clair, who is president of Detailing in Progress in San Diego, California. Apprentice has done a tremendous amount of work in the industry for detailing and car washing, and uh, we're going to continue our conversation. He's uh, Apprentice. I'm going to let you kind of give 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 the listeners, you know, kind of what your background is. I know you've pretty much done presentations to about every car wash association there is. Yeah, and, and I always have trouble introducing myself because uh, m- people that know me know that I'm a I'm a pretty humble guy. So, but yeah, you know, I, I am proud of of the activities I've a- been able to to do in the last uh, 20 years as a as a professional in the industry. Uh, like you said, I've done uh, I've done about 400 published articles in the trade magazines and um, made presentations at ICA since 1998 and WCA, Southwestern, Southeastern. Uh, Mobile Tech Expo just recently did something for uh, NADA in in uh, January. Um, I, I do uh, training consulting for detail shops, uh, detailing centers at dealerships, and for uh, car washes that provide uh, detailing services. Yeah, so it it it's an industry that requires a a certain level of expertise, and I think those of us who don't do detailing really should appreciate the fact that it requires, you know, a lot of training, a lot of expertise for somebody to be able to, you know, do, do detailing correctly. It's not something you can just throw somebody in and give them a buffer and say, you know, go, go at it. Right. Yeah. And that's that, you know, that, that's something I appreciate. The more I spend time in understanding detailing, the more I appreciate the level of of expertise that's necessary to be able to do it. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So uh, let's just talk about car dealerships. Where are they going with, are you seeing a lot more services being offered by car dealerships when it comes to detailing? You know, the dealership industry is, is, uh, is a conundrum for me. Um, There's, hmm, how do I go about saying this? Uh, (laughs) You know, it's one of those things where detailing is a very important activity and a detail center at a dealership um, you know, you look at a dealership that has millions of dollars worth of inventory coming through that organization every year. The detail shop is the only department on the dealership premises that touches virtually every car that comes through. There's no other department that can say that. And yet, um, in in the vast majority of detail shops at dealerships, unfortunately, they don't they don't really put a lot of credence and investment and effort into uh, you know, having a high quality detail shop. So that's one of my goals um, in the coming years is to really get into that industry even more than I have and uh, try to help uh, them understand um, that that detailing is very important. You know, you clean the car up, it's going to sell for more and it's going to sell faster. And that's the big thing at a dealership is getting those cars turned over on the lot as quickly as possible. So cleaning and, and conditioning the car is an important thing. Then you get the very small percentage of dealerships. Um, those are ones that I've worked with over the last few years uh, providing training where they understand that the detail shop is is so critical to the operation. So they'll spend tens of thousands of dollars on built-in equipment 
um, and then fly somebody like myself out to spend a week with the, the technicians teaching them how to use the equipment and how to detail better. So there's that percentage of the dealerships. And then there's another percentage of the dealerships who said, forget it. We're tired of dealing with the detail shop. Um, we're just going to outsource it. Now, the funny thing is at NADA, um, I asked several people, uh, you know, walking around the floor, the experts and some of the people at NADA and uh, said, so, so how's the detailing part of it going? And they say, well, a lot of us are just outsourcing. And then my follow-up question was, well, how's the outsourcing going? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so just because you outsource your detailing doesn't mean you're going to get a good job. Now, organizations like the International Detailing Association uh, which I'm a member of, and I was the, on the founding board of directors for the first six years from 2009 to 2015, you know, we're trying to bring up the standards in the detailing industry across the board, and we're doing a great job. The things that have happened in the detail industry in the last 10 years are absolutely amazing. Uh, we've got um, manufacturers and, and suppliers who are working together as opposed to looking at each other's competition. We have oper operators, detailing operators that are getting together on a regular basis to see how they can help each other out in the same communities. So, um, and it's, you know, uh, I think we, we took some of that example from the car wash industry. You go to these car wash conventions and you see competitors sitting down at the same table talking about how they can help each other out. So, yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, it's interesting how they kind of swing back and forth where they outsource it, they bring it in house, they outsource it, they bring it in house, but you know, if you want to get top dollar for a used vehicle, the better it looks inside and out, I think it's going to make, make a big, big difference to the, to the person that buys it. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So good. Well, we were kind of in the middle of our conversation here as far as, you know, the process of, of detailing a vehicle. We, we ended with clang. We had some good information on clang and the importance of clang a car. And then what's the next step that you would do after you've clayed a vehicle? Well, assuming the customer is looking for a paint job that, that looks better than it started out, then we get into what we call polishing or buffing on the car. Um, and there's been a tremendous amount of um, improvement in the technology for polishing and, and buffing cars. Now, polishing is designed to make the paint look shiny and clean, okay? And we have to differentiate between polish and wax. Polish does not protect the vehicle. Wax protects the vehicle. So when we talk about polishing a vehicle, um, in the detailing side of it, we're, we're talking about trying to make the paint look nice. And then after that, you'd follow it up with some kind of protection like wax or sealant. So, and, and, and these new technologies for polishing cars absolutely can have a huge impact in the car wash industry because well, how did we use to polish cars, David? We'd use a high-speed polisher, right. rotary polisher, and put a bunch of swirl marks in the vehicle, okay? And there's only one guy at the car wash or at the detail center who knows how to properly use one of those. So you might have six bays. You got one guy that can do the polishing. Yeah, those... Now, yeah, go ahead. Those buffers are like in the hands of the wrong person. It's a weapon. Absolutely. We can damage the car, put swirl oh, marks yeah. in it, burn the paint off, knock pieces of the car off. So now we have a new type of technology, a couple of different polishing technologies, new machines. Uh, we have dual action machines that are what we call high action or long throw. So uh, those of us that have followed the polishing revolution, um, you know, back in the 90s, we got dual action polishers, which don't put swirl marks in, but they don't polish very well. They're more like good wax applicators. Well, now we got machines where that motion back and forth of that dual action motion 
um, is so uh, has such a, um, a long length or a moment, as it were, that it's creating um, action on the paint that almost imitates a high-speed polisher without the high speed and without the swirl marks. So there are machines out there now that pretty much anybody can pick up um, and learn how to use within minutes and do amazing things on the paint of the car. Interesting. So those okay. of you who are looking for quick solutions for scratches on vehicles um, and possibly even offering service to your clients, um, there are, there's polishing technology now, long throw polishers and also forced action, dual action or, or gear driven polishers. You can do amazing things on the vehicle without, I, I mean, we all know you put idiot proof technology in the, and out there and we'll find a bigger idiot. We all know that we can always find a way to damage the car, but the reduction in possible damage with these new machines versus a high speed rotary is 85, 90%. So these these things aren't really spinning, I guess. The, the the newer ones are not spinning in a circle. Like well, we they're spinning in a circle, but the dual action means they're spinning, but they're also oscillating. Got and it. what's changed from the old dual action machines is that the oscillation is so extreme now that that vibration back and forth is creating a lot of work on the paint. And what we're finding too with newer polishes and newer um, compounds. Um, and, and newer pad technology as well, we can do one step of polishing on a car and make it look absolutely spectacular. Whereas it used to be with a high-speed rotary, as soon as you pick up a wool pad or a compound, you're in it for all day and you're going to be doing three, four steps on that vehicle. Okay. Okay. So that the, the polishing, so when you polish, are you, so let, let's talk about the clear coat. So are you smoothing out the clear coat? Are you filling in the cracks on the clear coat with the polish or what, what physically are you doing? you are smoothing out the paint and in some cases even removing a little bit of paint. Okay. Um, now one of the advantages of these uh, new dual action technologies is that what we find that they're doing is they're basically polishing the scratches. So they're making the scratches look shiny. So instead of remove the way to remove a scratch from a car is to take the paint off to the bottom of the scratch. Okay. That's the only way to completely remove it. Now, obviously, we don't want to do that. The top 20% of most clear coats is where all of the UV protection is in the paint. So, and, and you can take off 20% of the paint in one buffing session if you work hard enough. Ooh. So, we don't want to do that. So, what right. we want to do is smooth out the damage as opposed to remove it so that it doesn't catch the eye anymore. Um, so, when we're polishing vehicles, we always tell the customer, look, we're going to make it look better it's not going to be perfect. There's a okay. very, very small percentage of the population that wants perfection. Usually those are show cars. Right. And that's where you're working on a car for a week. All right. But for standard detailing, everyday vehicles, um, even high-end vehicles, you know, we, we talk about percentages. We talk about making it look 75% better, 80% better. Um, right. Because if you're going to drive the car, you know, you're going to pick up, you're going to pick up stuff in the environment. If, if you don't want the car perfect, leave it in the garage with a cover over it, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the cover's going to scratch it. So there, Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so we, we've just gone through the polishing process. Now we've got that ready to go. The third step is to protection for the waxes. Yeah, protection. So we talk about paint correction and then paint protection. Okay. And the protection is where you, you're, you're hand applying a, a, a wax or, you know, I like to use a, a old style dual action machine for applying wax because it's so much faster and uses a lot less product. You know, if you pour a blob of wax on the hood, 
and and then wipe it off it's the same amount of wax as if you wiped it on with a with a pad and then wiped it off the same amount of paint of wax stays behind so i'd rather use less wax using a machine and a and a soft pad um and a spread it out as opposed to putting it on by hand so very few professional detailers apply wax by hand they're using some kind of a dual action machine Not, and, and they're 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 applying it directly to the pad not putting it on the vehicle Right. You put it, you put a stripe across the pad and then right. throw it on the vehicle, spread it okay. around. And usually like a, stri a stripe per panel is typically enough. So a wax um, is going to give you three to six months of protection, or you can use a polymer paint sealant, which is going to give you six to 12 months of, pr of protection. So that's where the protection comes in. Okay. Is there a difference between wax and sealant? Yeah. On the molecular level, they're different. Wax, when you apply it to the vehicle and then wipe it off, the molecules of wax are just sitting on the paint. Okay. They're not, there's, they're not really glued onto the paint. They're not holding onto each other. They're just randomly sitting on the paint. So it's very easy to wash that off or it's very easy for it to evaporate. We've all waxed our own cars, pull it in the garage. You, you, you come in there the next morning and it smells like wax in the garage, right? Mm -hmm. It smells like wax because the wax is evaporating off the car. <laughs> it's just a normal oh. thing. Okay. So, and you'll, you know, as you start washing the car a number of times, that, that real slick, slippery feeling goes away gradually. Now with a sealant, after you, the sealant goes on the same as a wax, you know, you, you, you wipe it on, you wipe it off. Um, but with a sealant, the molecules of the polymer sealant actually attach to each other as they cure. So they're connecting to each other, forming a net across the surface, and they're also bonding to the paint with a much stronger bond than a wax would have. Um, so, so the sealant gives better protection while it's on the car, and it lasts typically about twice as long as a, as a good quality wax. Okay. So would there ever be a reason for using wax, or what, why would you use wax instead of seal, a sealant? That's a good question. That's something that, um, you know, a few years ago in my own detail operation, I used to charge extra for, for polymer paint sealant application. And I said, wait a minute, I want to do the best thing for my customers. Why would I even bother just putting a wax on there? So I just use sealant on everything. That's, that's sort of a, a, an individual business owner's decision now. Okay. Yeah. Very curious. And then if I'm going to use the term Carnuba wax, what was so great about Carnuba in its day? Yeah, Car Carnuba, and there's still Carnubas out there, and some people still love Carnuba. It tends to be a little bit harder wax. Um, okay. It's more difficult to put on, and it's more difficult to take off, and it lasts longer because uh, the, the more pure Carnuba you have, the more difficult it is to be used because when you, Carnuba is basically the tree sap from a, a tree in South America, and it, when you look at it in its raw form before it goes in production at a detail uh, chemical manufacturer, it's, it's a hard block of the yellowy substance. So when you figure, okay, I'm starting out with a hard block and somehow powderizing that and liquefying it, well, that stuff is really hard. So a true carnauba wax in the can, if you've ever used that, man, it is difficult to get that stuff on there and it's difficult to take it off. Oh, so okay. what most people use when they're using a carnauba is some kind of a um, combination of carnauba and synthetic resins, which makes it go on easier, but still gives you some of the benefits of a carnauba. Okay. So it might've been advantageous back in the day when we didn't have all this other newer technology. Right. Sealants. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's more of a personal preference nowadays. And, and the, the kinds of um, protective chemicals for paint that we have from the major manufacturers are of such excellent quality these days. You really don't need to go back to that old school anymore. Right. This is David Begin. Before we continue with this episode, I have a few questions for you. Are you planning on opening a car wash and getting overwhelmed? Are you a bit confused and searching for unbiased advice? Are you an existing car wash operator searching for ways to improve your employee turnover or trying to solve other operational challenges? I have faced and overcame some of the same obstacles over the past 15 years to help develop a very successful car wash business. I can provide you with the guidance you need to help you navigate and solve the challenges we all face in this business. If you want to learn more about my one-on-one car wash coaching program, then I invite you to schedule a free coaching call with me. Please text the word FOAM to 31996 and I'll reply with a link to schedule your free call. Let's chat about one of the challenges you're facing and let me help you gain some clarity. Again, please text the word FOAM, F-O-A-M, to 31996. So we, we talked a little bit about ceramic coatings. When would you recommend a ceramic coating? I've I actually, I've got a car that I'd love to ceramic coat, but this stuff's been sitting in my in my garage for the last two years because I'm scared to death I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> and so I haven't done it, but uh, I've, I've got, you know, obviously being on the ICA board, I've got some good friends in the chemical industry and yep. the guys out of Connecticut gave me a ceramic kit and they said, go ahead and do it. And I've watched the videos and all that, but I feel like, oh, I'm going to mess it up. Right. I, I don't want to mess it up. But when would you recommend ceramic coatings versus... Not. Well, okay, so ceramic coating, um, a true ceramic coating, and, and unfortunately um, in our industry, the word ceramic is starting to be used for things other than ceramic coatings, and it's fooling people, right. um, unfortunately, including the motor, motoring public, and I, I think it's a shame. I thought we had gotten away from that kind of nonsense, but apparently it's coming back around again. So a, a true ceramic coating is going to be hand applied to the vehicle after the paint paint is brought back to the level of protection that the customers want, the level of perfection that the customer is wanting. Um, and it, it's typically a liquid resin in a bottle. It's poured onto a specialized applicator, um, and you're wiping it on a small section of the vehicle at a time, waiting for it to set up, and then coming back and wiping off the excess. So the scary part that you're talking about is if you don't do it right, you get what we call high spots or, or smudges or, um, yeah, smudges in, in the ceramic coating. Because in a way, you're kind of like a, a hand applying another layer of clear coat. But it's, please understand, it's a very super thin layer mm-hmm. of, of um, ceramic coating. Ceramic coatings have been around for decades, by the way. They've been used in industry for decades. We just recently, in the last 10 years or so, brought it over to the automotive industry. So, But what it does once it's on there and it's cured properly um, is that is going to be completely chemical resistance. You can't wash it off. Um, it's abrasion resistant. It's UV protectant. It can take a god-awful amount of heat, like above 1,000 degrees of heat. So it's, it is the ultimate protection for a paint system. Now, in the early days of ceramic coatings, um, they kind of came out with this splash of it's seven-year protection, five-year protection, 10-year protection, and it's been seven, five, 10 years, and what we found is that we need to dial that back a little bit. 
So we're in a new cycle of ceramic coating application where in the professional detailing industry, we're talking about, yes, we'll, we're happy to put a ceramic coating on your car, but we also need to maintain it. There has to be a maintenance package with that where the car comes back to the detail shop once a year or once every six months to completely treat that coating, make sure it's 100% reapply as necessary. Um, and that's what's going to make the paint look and be protected for a long period of time. So um, with ceramic coating, there is a learning curve for putting it on. Some of the companies require that you become certified before you can actually buy their product. Mm -hmm. And that's protecting themselves. Some companies offer in-house insurance. So if there is a problem with the car, they handle it in-house, you know, with their own uh, package, their own uh, insurance offering. So, so it's not something that everybody can just pick up and start using. Sure. Uh, it is something you want to take some time to learn how to use, get professionally trained. But the thing of it is the lucrativeness of the ceramic coating that is drawing some of the pro detail shops into it. Um, you know, you can make anywhere from 800 to 2000 a vehicle doing a ceramic coating. Right. So it can be, you know, very lucrative. Uh, in a car wash setting, it's a little bit more challenging because you really do need to have some dedicated indoor space for that to do it right. Mm -hmm. But we do have ceramic, some ceramic coatings now that are coming out that are much easier to, to apply. And it don't take the, the level of uh, mastery to, to put on. You can do a pretty good job. Uh, with a one to two year t type coating and the car looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So would you go through the same process of claying, polishing, and then ceramic coating? Correct. Yes. Okay. That paints, before you put on the ceramic coating, that paint has got to be as perfect as you want it to be. Cause once you put on the ceramic coat, you're locked in. In fact, some of the ceramic coatings are so hard after they cure up that you actually have to use sandpaper to take them off. If you find Ooh. a mistake. Yeah. Wow. You okay. can't buff it off. Yeah. So you've scared me from doing it now, Prentice. I'm not going to no. do it. No. You, you just got to watch a couple of YouTube videos. Okay. And, <laughs> All right. Well, and try it, out, try it out on a section of your car, you know, yeah. a, a side panel and just okay. go through I'll, the I'll try it. I've got the clay sitting there. I've got to get the polish. I've actually right. got a, I think I've got a, one of those updated, you know, buffers. And nice. I, I, I like to play around with this too. It's kind of something interesting for me. So I kind of do it myself, but yeah. I'll yeah, and then, it. of course, make sure you use the prep spray that the manufacturer recommends Okay. Uh, just before you put the coating on there so that paint is super clean. Okay, good. good. Okay. I, I, I might attempt it this summer. So <laughs> I want to take the last part of our talk here and talk about scratches because that's where we get into a lot of trouble in the car wash industry. And, you know, we go through the experience where people don't look at their car and then they wash their car and then they see these scratches and then they automatically assume you know, I wash my car, I see scratches, therefore the car wash scratched my car, right? That's kind of the logic. And I understand why they think that. I mean, I'm not complaining right. about our customers, but I do understand why they think that. But, you know, but these are, these are wild scratches. So, you know, I try to communicate to them that the car wash didn't do this and this is why, right? So what, what do you find the best way to communicate, hey, the car wash can't scratch a car like this. What, what, what have you found to be a good way to help car wash owners communicate that? Yeah, this is a tough one. Tough um, one. It's a tough one. And, and I, I really, um, I admire when I see a table full of car wash owners 
talking about the different ways they market and protect themselves. Um, I, I think that's that's one of the best ways to learn new, new techniques uh, in protecting yourself from these these different things. Um, I think videotaping is a is an important thing. Um, if somebody's really adamant and 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 the damage that you're looking at is pretty major, like a couple of panels or something that would have to be repainted, I think you say, well, let's take a look at the videotape, and and that's going to be help them understand that that we didn't do it, right? Um, and then to show them the actual pads, the material that you're using, uh, maybe have a sample of it that you can show them. Say, look, this is not going to scratch your car, um, and. Uh, you know, we're using so many different chemicals and, and rinses in there that, you know, even if there is, is grit in there, it's getting rinsed off before it scratches the car. Right. Um, now, in those cases where the customer is just adamant and you feel like you need to do something for them uh, to keep them as a customer, show good faith, that's where these new polishing technologies can be huge because you can pick up one of these long throw machines and within five minutes have that panel looking fantastic. In fact, it'll look so good that they'll say, Hey, how much would it be for you to do the rest of the car? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, if you had a detailing express detailing or detailing service, that's, you know, that's certainly great. I've, I've actually sent people off to my competitors who do full service detailing. Um, you know, if, if we ran into a situation we, we, we can't resolve and we're trying to try to keep the customer happy. Right. Well, I'll tell you, even to the car wash owner that doesn't have a detailing facility, they can easily have a, a kit that's in a, a duffel bag um, where they can remove, remove scratches. And, and pretty much anybody can be taught how to do it because this new polishing technology, the new machines and pads and chemicals are, are relatively easy to use. Okay. So, yeah. And, and virtually damage free. Okay. Well, that, that's something I want to talk to you later on about. That'd be interesting for us. But, but a couple of things when you talk about scratches. So the one thing I've got here is any scratch over two inches long couldn't be from the car wash because the equipment is continuously moving. So we try to explain that, that long scratches, there's no way that the car wash can do long scratches. Right. That's a good point. Yep. Okay. And then the other thing we say is a single scratch typically isn't from the car wash because the, the brush will will go all completely all the way down your car. I, I typically try to tell people as you're looking at random scratches, if the car wash scratched your car, it would look very methodical because it right. is a manufacturing process to a large extent. So it would be a repeating, a repeating pattern. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I, I try to explain that to them that you'd see this all the way down the car. You'd see it in even strokes because the car is moving at the same speed, the equipment's spinning at the same speed. So it would look like it was a manufactured problem. Right. Right. And then the fact that, you know, people come to you with scratches that are wiggly, you know, that are vertical on the car. Well, there's no way for the car wash to create a vertical scratch. Right. So th those are typically the three things that, you know, I try to explain. It's a very pattern. It's a, I could tell you very quickly if the car wash did this. Not the, I, I don't think I've ever had the car wash scratch a car. I mean, I, you know, in my, my history, I've never, uh, now I know sometimes if you pick something up, um, you know, especially top brushes have the ability to pick something up out of the back of a pickup bed. Say if it picks up a fish hook or something, you know, a lure that's got a shiny thing on it. And then it's, you know, it's spinning. You're, you're going to hear it and you're going to see it. It's going to be very obvious that, you know, you pick something up, uh, a foreign object that got stuck in the cloth and created the scratches. Right, right. But. But nevertheless, people sometimes don't, you know, they're still not going to believe you because they think, 
you're trying to get out of something that they truly believe. And again, you know, 99% of our customers are honest people and they truly believe that, you know, this happened at the car wash, but sometimes trying to convince them logically doesn't always, always work. Do you have any other no, suggestions? Or? There's, you know, there's, there are certain customers that, that just shouldn't be your customers anymore. Um, right. And, you know, and um, you know, the good faith me- measure, I think it's important to self-assure um, against damage. So that sometimes, you know, um, I've only damaged one car where I actually had to send it to a body shop in my detailing experience. I'm very blessed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I didn't argue with the customer. I didn't fight with them. It's like, look, I did this. I know I did it. I'm going to fix it. And there right. are times even in, in the, even when I know I didn't do something, like somebody said, I knocked a piece off of their car and I know I didn't do it. I just took care of it. It was like, it was like a $70 investment to fix it. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to put the money into it and fix it as a good faith measure to make that person go away. And, you know, hopefully they'll never come back again. But yeah. I'll tell you what, in this, in this day and age of social media where people can destroy you in, in, in a few paragraphs, um, it, it, it's not worth the fight in, in most cases. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I got from a friend of mine when I was trying to deal, deal with, a, uh, uh, you know, an angry customer. And I really was adamant that I did not do what they said I did. And he said, just take care of it because they found you on Yelp. They're going to destroy you on Yelp if you don't take care of it. So, and he was right. I never heard from him again. Yeah. You know, it's really hard that I still don't have a good answer for that because I don't want to reward the problem I have, Prentice, is I don't want to reward people's bad behavior. Right? No, of so, course not. None of us do. And, and so I like, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want people to think they can treat us poorly and get away and get what they want. Um, so, you know, there's that issue when it comes to customer service, do you reward bad behavior? And I try not to, and maybe that's not the right thing to do. You know, but I well, also I think, don't want to spend two or 300 bucks fixing something I didn't do. Well, of course. And I think you start out, the best way to start out with somebody that's complaining is, is to smile and say, boy, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. You know, to not, not admitting guilt, but just, just being apologetic and sympathetic. As soon as you go defensive, then it's going to ratchet. Sure. But you, if you're apologetic and sympathetic, uh, not, not apologetic, but, but apologizing to them for their experience, not that you did it. And then try to work out, you, you know, a, a, a common ground. Of course, you explain to them, I really don't think we did that. We're in the business of cleaning cars. If we were scratching cars, we'd be out of business. Right. Yeah. And, and just like you said, those three situations where this, our machines couldn't have done this damage because of X, Y, and Z. Right. And if the person still doesn't understand, then you say, well, what would make you happy in this situation? And see what they say. And, yeah. uh, and then go from there, negotiate from there. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm still not great at this. I've been doing this a long time and it's an <laughs> area I struggle with. None of you us know. are. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about spider webbing. Last thing today, you know, we talked about this guy, people bring you their car and they're looking at it closely, right? It's clean. So they're looking at it for the first time and they see what's called spider webbing. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of explain what that is and why that's pretty normal? Right. So when we, when we look at, typical paint technology from the OEM manufacturers, we're, we're typically looking at clear coat. And clear coat is a form of plastic. It's basically sprayed on plastic. So if you've ever had a plastic tabletop, and you know if you take a, a coffee mug and, and slide it along that tabletop, it's going to scratch the plastic. That's just a fact of life. So with cars, the, the, anytime you touch the paint surface, it's going to scratch it. I'll tell you, I have polished 
uh, black cars make them look absolutely perfect. And if you've got the wrong kind of microfiber towel, you're going to put scratches back in. Sure. Yeah. And so spider webs are a class of scratch that we call micro scratches. They're very shallow. Um, and the only reason you see a scratch is it catches light. So because it's a it's an odd surface, you've got this flat surface and then all, all of a sudden there's this valley in it. So a micro scratch is a very small valley. Another example of a micro scratch would be a swirl mark. Now a swirl mark is put in by incorrect use of a high speed polisher, but it's still a micro scratch. So spider webbing is much more random. It's from regular washing of a car. Even the best car wash is gonna put small micro scratches into the paint. Just that's just a fact of life. The only way you can avoid micro scratches is to use waterless, I, I mean, um, touchless technology. Um, and, and we all know that touchless technology doesn't wash the car as well. You got to have some agitation to really get the dirt off. Right. Uh, plus the touchless uses highly volatile chemicals on the paint, which I'm not a big fan of either. Um, so, so anytime you touch the paint, it's going to scratch it. So what we try to do in a car wash is use technology that minimizes the scratching. And hand washing does not guarantee scratchless washing either. Even hand washing, we have issues with scratching. Sure. So typically spider webbing is just incidental contact with the vehicle over time and it accumulates. And the way to get rid of it is to give the car a nice polish. So, the, but, it, but it's, it's, it's there, I mean, it's there when the car comes out, is it, is, or does it get worse over time? Or? It just gets worse over time. It's just a okay. collection of scratches. I mean, you can get damage from, from the dealership, damaged cars from the dealership. Sure, yeah. You know? So if you get a scratch, how do you determine if it's buffable, if you can buff it out or not? What, what are some rules of thumb? On it's, that? It's, it's Prentice's rule of thumbnail. If your thumbnail catches in the scratch, it's probably too deep to polish out. Okay. Um, on, and now on some of those, like I said earlier, we can smooth out the, the sides of the scratch so that it's not as noticeable. So you're basically shining the scratch. So that way it's not going to catch as much light and you really have to kind of look at it in different angles to see where it was. Other times we, we start polishing on a scratch and realize, yep, this is just too deep. I can't even make it look better. It just, it's, it's not going away. Right. But that rule of thumbnail or fingernail, um, if you, if you run your thing, fingernail um, and try to grab the scratch with your fingernail, if it grabs, it's probably too deep. Right. So if you, if you hear it click, I guess, as you go over with your fingernail. Yeah, or it actually catches your fingernail as you go across it. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then what, what do you have to do in that case? Does it have to be professionally repaired or what, what happens? When it's too far gone? Yeah. Yeah. At that point, you can, hopefully you've got a vendor that does paint touch up or you might even have to paint the panel okay. at that point to really get rid of it. Okay. Yeah. Good. Terrific. Well, this has been so helpful. I'm, I've learned a ton of information. You've kind of clarified, <laughs> me, you know, a lot of the, the processes, the importance of it, you know, the difference between uh, polishes and wax and sealants and uh, kind of things, you know, good, good advice that we can give our car wash customers as they come to us, because we get calls all the time, right? Do, do you do detailing? What do you do? Mm -hmm. You know, our, our employees are talking to our customers about their cars. And so it, it's great information to kind of help our, you know, our team help understand, you know, our customers understand the best way to take care of their cars. So if people want to get a hold of you, they got more questions, they want to do sure. training or certification, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. So probably best way to get a hold of me is to call me and my number, I'm sure you'll publish it with the podcast, but it's 
1100. Okay. Uh, and uh, you can also email me, prentice at detailinprogress.com. And I welcome uh, quick technical questions over the phone or by email. And, um, you know, that's, I'm, I'm here to help the industry. Uh, if you're looking for more in-depth training for your detailing technicians or uh, looking at your car wash detail operation to um, see if it's, if it's operating at its best capacity, um, I, I'm, well, I come out and do uh, on-site assessments, on-site training. I am an IDA recognized trainer, so I can provide IDA certification to your employees. So there's a number of options there, and I, and I love helping people in the industry. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, and looking at your resume or Vita here, you know, you've done, you've done so much for the industry, and I really appreciate what you've done. And, you know, you've, you've been a servant of the industry. A lot of these things that you do, you do, you know, not, you don't get paid for, but you just do it to kind of help out the industry. And I really appreciate people that do that. But, uh, and if you're a car wash owner and you're thinking about, hey, maybe should I look at express detailing or detailing? I want to add that as a profit line. You know, you'd be a great resource for that as well, I would assume. Absolutely. I can at least get, get you into the conversation and talk about some of the different variables that are there. And, you know, if it's not, if you're looking at a, a system or a method that, that I'm not familiar with, I, I know a lot of other people that can help out too. Terrific. Good. Well, Prentice, thank you so much. This has been great. Appreciate the conversation and you and I will talk soon. Thanks, David. Yeah. So thank you for listening to this episode of the How of Car Washing. Uh, if you're listening to it on Stitcher or iTunes, we appreciate a comment. So go make a comment if you will. And if you want to leave some ideas on some new episodes, go to our website, www.thehowofcarwashing.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you've got ideas for future episodes, let us know. So uh, this is your host, David Begin. Thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Car Washing, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.